0: You're listening to the Douglas Jacoby podcast. Here we bring you some of the material found on Douglas's website in podcast form. We hope that as you listen, you're challenged to think about faith. This series is miscellaneous episodes from Douglas's website. Today's episode is on receiving Christ. For more on this episode, follow the link in the show notes to Douglas's website. Now here's today's teaching. This lesson will examine the popular teaching of receiving Christ, also called accepting Christ. When I was a 16-year-old, I met an older fellow, probably 10 years my senior, who witnessed to me. He shared with me something about the gospel. i had actually never met a Bible believer before this time. And after he'd talked to me for about two or three hours, he asked me if I wanted to receive Christ. I really had little idea of what he meant, but I didn't want to disappoint him, and I said, sure. He held my hands, and he said a prayer, asking me to pray along in my heart with him. And when it was over, he asked me if I felt it, if I felt the Lord come into me. He congratulated me, said I was now a born-again Christian. I joined a a local prayer group. We met every other Saturday night. It's where this man attended, and on a good night, maybe 40 or 50 other people squeezed into the leader's living room. And she and her husband left, left their home unlocked all the time. It was a very open and friendly environment. And this is where my faith began to grow. It was a period of incubation. I can actually see that the Lord used that to pique my interest, to increase my curiosity about spiritual things. But what really happened on that cold January night? A few months later I was asked if I would like to be baptized in water. And they meant immersed in water. I was already a Christian, they said, But it's a good thing to do because it's in the Bible. I remember them reading to me Romans 6 and 1 Peter 3. I said, sure. So they dunked me in a swimming pool three times. I don't think anything changed, but it seemed to be what the Bible said. Soon after that, they asked me if I would like to become a disciple. And there were some Thursday night meetings that were based on the book of Daniel. And the fellow who was leading it, I don't want to be too negative, I don't think he really understood the book of Daniel. And the lessons really didn't follow Daniel, but it was meant to be some kind of a discipleship group. And so I was part of a group that said, you become a Christian by saying the prayer, receiving Christ. Later on, if you're comfortable with it, you would get immersed in water. And if you really wanted to go uh, the extra mile, you might want to become a disciple. This teaching, as I found out, is very common. In fact, it's more or less what is taught in over 90% of all Bible-centered churches in the world. Well, is receiving Christ biblical? What does it mean? And is it really true that discipleship is just an option? For those of you who are listening to this lesson, who have made Jesus Lord, certainly you understand what it means to become a Christian. Discipleship is not an option. It's not something that people ask you, would you like to attend some extra meetings and become a disciple? You're a disciple if you're a Christian. It's not optional in any way. What I find is that modern Christianity fragments the gospel. In the New Testament, things are together. They're integrated. Let, let me explain. One person says, well, I was saved after a walk on a sunlit beach. And then I got the Holy Spirit a year later. But then I lapsed and backslid. and But then I, I got a Holy Ghost baptism and, and so forth. There's a story. And someone else says, well, I was saved when I was a baby. And Uh, I was baptized when I was 10, and then I got serious when I was 20, and I'm not really sure when I was saved. So what people do is they separate uh, biblical aspects of conversion, like being born again, repentance, baptism, receiving the Spirit. They fragment those. These things are separated, and so we have fragmentation, whereas in the New Testament there's integration all of these things to come together in salvation. So the idea that you would accept Christ to become a Christian and then later on you would become a disciple is not biblical. It's wrong to separate repentance and faith and baptism and discipleship. They're all one organic unit. So fragmentation or integration. Well, this podcast is not on the conversion process. But what I want to Examine is the biblical or unbiblical meanings of accepting Christ. And accepting Christ, receiving Christ, that's exactly the same thing. What does it mean to accept the Lord? What does it mean to receive the Lord? What does the Bible say? Well, I've already uh, highlighted the common teaching, which is that it's the way you get saved. You say a prayer, and you invite Jesus into your heart. And that's what I believed I was doing on that January night, in 1976 and since then I've met thousands maybe tens of thousands of others who've had a similar experience something happened I can see that that God used that it got me going but was it biblical the only way to answer that question is to look at the scriptures not to compare experiences but to study the scriptures there are notes that accompany this lesson and there you'll see The outline of what we're looking at, and we're going to begin in Colossians chapter 2. Now, the Colossian community, to whom Paul is writing, is being influenced by, uh, let's say, a a kind of elitist, philosophical uh, version of Christianity. Uh, uh, Let me justify this. I'll read Colossians 2.4. Paul says, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. And then he says in verse 6, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built in Him, and established in the faith just as you were taught. And then later on, verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So, what are we saying here? They're in danger of being led astray by humanistic philosophy. He reminds them of the time they became Christians. And he says, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, or we can translate that, as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. Well, all this tells us is that we receive Christ as Lord. It doesn't tell us how we receive him or when he received him, although Paul does make that clear a few verses later in verse 12. But let's go on to a second passage on our topic, and that's found in the Gospel of John. The prologue of John talks about Jesus' deity and the incarnation. That is, God becomes flesh. And I'm in Coloss- uh, no, uh, John chapter 1, and I'd like to read uh, verses from verses 11 to 13. It says, He came to His own, and His own people did not receive Him. But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God, who are born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Jesus came to his own. God came to mankind. As human, God came to other humans. More specifically, and probably what John is getting at, is that Jesus, as a Jew, came to the Jewish people, to the people who were supposed to be prepared for the Messiah. But they did not receive him. Now, if receiving Christ means bowing your head and saying a prayer, then we should be able to uh, plug that value into this verse and, and reread it. It would turn out this way. Jesus came to his own, and his own people did not say a prayer and ask him into their heart. Well, clearly that's not what John is getting at here. He's saying that they rejected him and his message. But to all who did receive him, and again, it's nothing about saying a prayer. In fact, he explains who believed in his name. So receiving Jesus has to do with faith in him, believing in his name. And to those people, John says, he gave the right to become children of God. It doesn't say that they are children of God although they've received him, it says they have the right to become children of God. So actually, this passage, and that specifically is John 1.12, doesn't say that we're saved when we receive Christ, but then we have the right to become. And then the next verse, born, not of blood, that is, it's nothing that you inherit, you're not born a Christian, nor of the will of the flesh, this is nothing that you do all on your own or someone else does for you or the will of man, but born of God. And this thought of being born again is amplified considerably in John chapter 3 in Jesus' discussion with Nicodemus. We learned there that that rebirth has to do with the Holy Spirit and it has to do with water. And the classic interpretation of John 3 verse 5 is baptism. Uh, There was no ancient Christian writer who ever interpreted John 3 as meaning anything other than baptism. You can go back and look at hundreds of citations in the early centuries. Everyone understood what that meant. So what does John 1 tell us? Receiving Christ is the same as accepting him, believing in his name, not rejecting him. It's the opposite of rejecting him. Also, If we receive him, then we're in a wonderful position. We can become children of God. We're not children of God, but it's a prerequisite for becoming God's children. And that's already, as you can see, at variance with the modern, uh, usually evangelical teaching, that if you receive Christ, you're saved by virtue of receiving him. It's a little bit more nuanced than that. Then let's go later in the Gospel of John, and this is Jesus speaking in chapter 12, 47. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say, as the Father has told me. That's John twelve forty seven to 50, and I'm reading in the ESV. What does it mean to receive Jesus' words? Well, it's the same as receiving him. Again, verse 48, the one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. So here, receiving Christ is the same as receiving his words. If we reject Jesus' message, then we reject him. And It's not conceivable that we would accept Christ but reject what he teaches. Because to accept his words is to accept Christ. Nothing here about being born again. The purpose is not to explain people how to be saved, but it is talking about part of the foundation of salvation, which is God's Word. And God's Word gives us eternal life when we follow it. And then one more passage, which is in Revelation chapter 3. It's the seventh of seven letters, to congregations in the province of Asia, that is, the westernmost part of what is modern Turkey, beginning with the city of Ephesus and ending in Laodicea. Interesting, later this year we'll be visiting almost all of those cities on our annual tour. And, but this is Laodicea, an amazing place, an amazing story. What does jesus say to this christian community and we know that he's speaking to christians because of verse 14 it's a message for the church not for outsiders those whom i love i reprove and discipline so be zealous and repent behold i stand at the door and knock If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Jesus wants his people who have become lukewarm, that's in verse 16, he wants them to come back, to be zealous and to repent. Oh, they had repented, But they have really slipped. Their attitude is wrong. And because of this, Jesus is to them very much an outsider. So he says he stands at the door and knocks. He's not asking for admittance into their hearts for the first time. It's more of a request for readmittance. These are instructions for Christians who've lost their fire they've fallen from a great height. And this ties it very nicely with his words to the Ephesian Christians earlier in Revelation 2, verses 4 and 5. So, standing at the door and knocking is certainly a beautiful metaphor for conversion, for becoming a Christian, but that's not the way it's being used here. This is for a lapsed believer to come back. He's still a church attender, but Jesus by virtue of his lifestyle, his lack of fire, passion, has been pushed outside. Nothing here about saying a prayer, nor is it a passage about becoming saved. Well, these are the passages that are normally referred to in discussions on receiving Christ. And what we discover is that neither here nor anywhere else in the New Testament do we see anyone being saved, by uttering a prayer. It's just not there. We're saved by a belief in God's Word and in His Son, Jesus Christ. That response involves not only faith, but if it's biblical faith, it must entail repentance, turning to God, and completing the process is being born again of water and the Spirit in baptism. So there's nothing about receiving Christ in the modern sense of most evangelical groups requiring us to say a prayer. Though prayer is a wonderful thing, and yes, seek and you'll find. But we must seek on his terms, not our terms. So there's no scripture justifying the modern and unscriptural doctrine of the sinner's prayer. Then where did that come from? Because it is taught in nearly all Bible-centered churches in the world. It's really amazing how it's caught on. This is actually an American doctrine. It can be traced back to the 1830s. And if you want to know exactly where it came from, I've got a paper for you, written by my friend Steve Staten. And in the notes, there's a link that'll take you straight to that paper. And you should... You should read that. Uh, certainly there was a lot of anxiety. People were w- worrying. Are they really saved? You know, there were, there were revivals. After the Protestant Reformation of the 1500s, the, 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 the movement for reform continues. Uh, there's the First Great Awakening, the Set, Second Great Awakening. And by the time you get to the frontier of the United States in the early 1800s, there's more and more of a desire to to know that one is saved, uh, and to feel it, and not just to be in suspense. And there were uh, other practices that preceded the sinner's prayer, but this one really catches on in the 1830s. And and through the course of the 19th century, uh, it is raised to uh, the standard method by which evangelists get crowds to make faith decisions. So you can learn about that if you want to. But biblically, we could say that we receive Christ on two different levels. Now, one, he actually becomes our Lord when we do what he says. That entails faith, repentance, and baptism. If we've never seriously decided to become obedient Christ followers, then then we never received him in the first place. Receiving him can refer to the entire process of salvation. But we can't remove parts of it that we find inconvenient. But the way it's normally used, receiving Christ is, as in the Gospel of John, just accepting his words. If we take him at his word, then we are, de facto, receiving him. So accepting Christ means taking him at his word receiving the truth about him. It's similar to the thought in James one 21-22. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. James says that we need to receive the implanted word with meekness. Not resisting it, but accepting it. And that doesn't mean mental assent. Okay, I agree. It means being a doer of the word, not just a hearer. Otherwise, we're self-deceived. That's very much the idea of receiving the word, receiving Christ. The biblical way to receive Christ is to do what he said, to turn to him in faith and repentance, to be born again of water in the Spirit. And again, I repeat, if we've never seriously decided to become obedient Christ followers, then we have never, biblically speaking, received Him. I hope these thoughts are helpful to you as you think over the subject, and as you enter into productive discussions with those who may have been affected by the relatively modern American doctrine of receiving Christ God bless you thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed Douglas's teaching for additional notes and resources be sure to check out Douglas's website in the show notes the website has hundreds of articles podcasts and videos for you to access for free you can also become a premium subscriber and gain access to thousands of online resources from Douglas's teaching ministry thanks again for listening